0: Leadership File, on Premier. Welcome to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. Conversations that change the way you think. It was early on in my ministry that I first heard the cliche, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. The maxim comes from belief that the making of the gospel of Jesus Christ known in the world is the primary task of the local church. But it was quickly obvious to me that keeping the gospel the main thing is not easy amidst the many other things that church can be engaged with. Indeed, in this post-Christian world, many churches have believed it's wise to sideline gospel proclamation in favour of other activities that connect with the community but can mean that non-believer is none the wiser about what Christians truly believe. Well, I'm joined on The Leadership File by Dr. Paul Adams, founder and chair of Beacon Light Trust, who for 21 years served as senior pastor with Banstead Baptist Church, now Christchurch Banstead. So welcome back, uh, Paul, to The Leadership File.
1: Thank you very much, Andy. Good to be here.
0: You were my guest in the early days of The Leadership File, some 500 shows ago and 10 years ago. And indeed, when looking for a title for the show, I believe you suggested The Leadership File.
1: Well, it's, it seems a long time, and uh, the leadership file has been greatly blessed. And uh, this is my opportunity to thank you for your ministry.
0: <laughs> thank you. Well, uh, my introduction focused on the importance of keeping the gospel central to church life and ministry. Such a view comes, of course, from a particular understanding of what matters. Um, who have been the influences in your life that confirm this importance for you?
1: Well, I suppose it started very early on. I was at Sunday school, um, somewhere around about age seven or eight, and I heard the story of the lost sheep. And uh, God just touched my heart that day. And I went back and I spoke to my mother at bedtime. And uh, she was a Christian, and I said, I want to be one of Jesus' sheep. And she very wisely said, well, let's ask him if you can be. And I remember that uh, special evening, uh, kneeling down by the bed, Uh, and asking Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Saviour and friend and to forgive me for my sins. So that was age seven and eight. And then it was quite soon after that that I was with my grandfather. We went for a a walk after dinner, I think it was, and we walked through a churchyard and he stopped in the middle of the churchyard. And I can remember him saying, I wonder how many will say on that final day, Christian, you never told me. And that was one of those sentences so many years ago, which God just etched into my heart. Christian, I never told you. And there I looked at the rows of gravestones and the mounds of earth and grass piled up in the graveyard. And I thought, I've got to tell people, because on the final day, I don't want anybody to say, Paul, you never told me. It's quite, quite, a,
0: quite a stark and, uh, and powerful, powerful story.
1: Well, it, it then went on from there and I was involved in Crusaders and there were strong leadership models there. Uh, the church had some strong leadership models and I, I remember had a mission when I was about 12 or 13 and I was encouraged to bring friends along and, and I found that the more I invited people, oh, the more they came and that really encouraged me. Um, my, my mother was a spontaneous evangelist. She she didn't drive a car. She always went on the bus or the train, sat next to whoever, and just talked to them about Jesus and led some to Christ. And it, it just became sort of normal, really, that talking about Jesus and leading them to Christ was a the normal sort of thing that a Christian did. Then a bit later on, uh, there was a Billy Graham uh, counsellor training session. Well, I was too young to be a counsellor, but I went along for the training, and it was riveting stuff. The bridge illustration and uh, some of these uh, fundamental tools of evangelism really grabbed my heart. Then later on, when I was at university and later, uh, Dick Lucas at St. Helens' Bishopsgate, a great pastor, teacher, preacher, evangelist, he was passionate about keeping the gospel central keeping in line with Bible truth, uh, not more than the Bible, not less than the Bible, just on the line of Bible truth. And, um, and you ask about powerful influences. Well, my wife, a lovely lady, passionate for truth, faithful in prayer, and eager to work with me uh, for the sake of the gospel.
0: I mentioned in my introduction, Paul, that you served for 21 years as senior pastor with what was then Banstead Baptist Church, now Christchurch Banstead. Um, Banstead is a village in North Surrey, so describe the area and the church for us as a kind of background to the context of our conversation.
1: Yes, well, it's, it is actually a true suburban village. I think London's got many so-called villages, but they all merge into one another. But Banstead is surrounded by Greenbelt, sort of middle class, if you're allowed to call it that nowadays. Interestingly, with a fairly even spread uh, age demographic, although there's a bit of a dip between the 25s and 45s, because the house prices are a bit too high for uh, first-time buyers. Uh, The church itself, uh, 120 years old this year, I think. Um, It was originally a tin tabernacle, suffered during the war, It's had several building regenerations. And the people there, when we we got there, uh, were definitely committed to the word and to each other. Uh, The challenge, really, was evangelism. Um, When we came to the the centenary, uh, we uncovered some of the original documents, and there I found that there was a covenant on the land that it was to be used exclusively for an undenominational gospel mission work. And as you know, that became my sort of thrill statement. And uh, uh, if... uh, if it wasn't undenominational gospel mission work, we basically didn't do it. And so uh, keeping the focus on the gospel mission uh, became the, the priority. It was also priority really to have new growth from conversions rather than transfer. Um, recently, I've been speaking to uh, somebody who was in a, in a large church, and I said, well, how are you growing? And, and he said, well, we're, we're growing very well. We're getting lots of people. And I said, well, how many of those are new Christians? He said, oh, no, 97% of our growth is transfer growth. And that just seemed to me to be not, not really gospel ministry in that sense. I mean, they're evangelical. They believe the Bible. They believed in the principles of the gospel. But... Their passion was really to attract more people like themselves rather than to reach out to those who were outside of Christ. And so the time during the uh, uh, the, the ministry there was very exciting, seeing all sorts of different people uh, from the community coming to Christ, and many of them uh, first-generation gen- Christians.
0: I, I've, I've used the the phrase gospel-centred. Um, c- can you define for us what, what gospel means to you? Because it, it, you know... People listening sometimes it it means means a very narrow kind of old fashioned sense of of evangelism. What, what how are you using the phrase?
1: Well, I think it's a, it's a great question because I think the word gospel is banded around nowadays um, to mean all sorts of different things. Um, perhaps I can best explain it by saying the gospel is it's good news. It is actually a message. It is a message which tells of God's love for sinful people and of Christ's substitutionary atonement which then demands repentance and faith leading to receiving Jesus personally and being filled with his spirit. So the gospel then isn't an action although gospel people will be active. Uh, It's not community engagement primarily although community engagement is necessary for the message to be communicated because if you don't have anybody to communicate it to then you can't communicate anything. Um, it's not, it's not um, singing or music, although necessarily the gospel will evoke praise. And it's not prayer, although of course it is essential to keep communicating with God as we communicate with other people. So if I can put it like this, I feel that the scripture teaches that the gospel is a word message from a person to one or more other people, telling them of their need of salvation and God's eagerness to save them, and telling them then how to access that salvation by repenting and receiving God's new life. Now, of course, times have moved on a little bit since Bible days, and although uh, gospel messaging is probably best done verbally, face-to-face, It's also done now on the phone and by Skype and email and websites and Facebook and Twitter and all this galaxy of electronic media. Uh, Yeah, so when we talk about gospel-centred, I mean it is the, the message of how and why Jesus wants to save people from their sins from the power of their sins from the punishment of their sins and to release them finally into his heaven where there is no sin
0: that's that's really enormously helpful now uh, how can a a gospel-centered focus be reflected in a local church Uh, and and the leader indeed as a servant of that church
1: well i think it's got to be modeled um People people see things, understand things best if they see things. Uh, somebody once said, uh, the only gospel that others can see is the gospel according to you and to me, which in one sense sort of moves a little bit against what I've just said, but people observe us as gospel people, as well as hearing our message and the integrity of who we are and what we do, although, alas, for all of us that integrity breaks down from time to time, uh, is is really so important. Um, And so I think the gospel has to be modelled by church leaders and then infused into the church culture until it becomes a part of the church DNA. So I, I think it needs to be taught, Uh, People need to know what the gospel is and then believers need to be trained to understand that a truly evangelical church will also become vibrant in practical evangelism. Uh, They need to be taught how to evangelise until they realise, as I did eventually as I was growing up, that it's normal. As normal as chatting about your day on Twitter or posting your excitement on Facebook. Uh, I mean, it's great to build bridges. People talk about building bridges into the community. And it's great to build bridges uh, with your friends or work colleagues. But if you never cross the bridge that you build with the gospel message, then it seems to me that the bridge becomes like so many Victorian follies, sort of a bridge going from nowhere to nowhere, which nobody crosses. I mean, all it is actually is a useless monument to pride. Um, No, gospel leaders, I think, need to take people from where they are, outside of Christ, and take them via the gospel truth to become fully functional disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, towards that extent, gospel leaders would envision the church with the priority and the necessity of reaching out to a lost world to save those who will receive the gospel. And, of course, you never know who will receive the gospel – Until you tell it to them first. So unless you give it to them, you won't know who will receive it.
0: You're listening to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Dr. Paul Adams. Uh, We're looking at gospel-centred ministry, and we'll be back just after this. Welcome back to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Dr. Paul Adams. He's the founder and chair of Beacon Light Trust. He served for 21 years as senior pastor with Banstead Baptist Church, now Christ Church. Banstead, we're looking particularly at uh, keeping how, how we can keep the church focused on the gospel how we can we make gospel-centered ministry part and parcel of what we're about how we can keep the main thing the main thing so we would we, t- we started to answer for paul i have a feeling you may have a few other things to say about being a, a gospel-centered local church
1: yeah i think the, one of the most important aspects of the gospel is that it comes out of the love of god and so in order to communicate the gospel you have to be somebody who loves the people that you're communicating to and uh, and that is something which becomes observed within the in the local church. It becomes observed with the if the leader is really keen to communicate and interested in the people who are uh, as yet outside of Christ, wanting to uh, teach them the the truth. I think it's also true. You talked about the gospel leadership and being a servant of the church. Um, It seems to me that the Apostle Paul taught that the gospel leader is a servant of Christ and a servant of the gospel, that is, the Lord is their master. Um, Yes, the gospel leader serves the church, but the church isn't the master. Uh, You see, it's in the same way that the Lord Jesus washed the disciples' feet, but his agenda was not dictated by what they wanted, but by what the Father wanted. And so I think that is an important distinction in terms of how we serve the gospel. I think the other thing is that the gospel has a real purpose. It's not just moral therapeutic deism, which makes people feel better. It is a, a potent message to tell people how to be saved from God's wrath against their sins, to give them eternal life and to make them children of God, uh, It's a message which tells them how to go towards heaven and go away from hell. It's a message with an eternal and external dimension. And it's also got an urgency. Because frankly we don't know when the Lord Jesus Christ will come back again. Or call the end of our days. And so therefore there is purpose, there is uh, urgency, there is everything in the gospel which makes it exciting both to the evangelist and to those who are eager to hear how god loves them
0: oh, it's great to great to sense you warm into your theme as, <laughs> as someone who who loves the gospel and uh, and and uh, loves sharing it um, um, in terms of, uh, you've found the need to develop your own materials. You mentioned earlier, you know, the Billy Graham, the bridge illustration. You've, you've uh, developed materials you find help you in the contemporary world?
1: Yes, it was quite a long time ago, really, that um, I was uh, leading uh, some young people and teaching them the gospel, and some of them came to Christ. And uh, because in my uh, past educational background, I now realise I was dyslexic, although I dyslexia wasn't really recognized in those days I just had to work harder because I was a bit more stupid or at least that's how it <laughs> appeared to me um, and so I used to uh, explain things by drawing little doodles and um, uh, this chap came to me and he'd recently become a Christian he he was in the sixth form at school and said look I want to explain this to my friends too can you tell me which drawing to do uh, in, in order to explain the gospel. I said, well, you know, if they ask this question, then you can do that drawing, or if they make that sort of comment, then you can explain it with, with that drawing. And eventually he said, well, look, it's too complicated. Um, I need to have something which I can, I can get to grips with. And then I realised that really if I was going to do drawings, I needed to have drawings which were systematic and which were easy to access and also to transfer And so I developed a thing called Crosscheck, which uh, you can pick up on the Beacon Light website. And uh, uh, the, the whole point about the Crosscheck drawings with the narrative is that it is a straightforward description of a God who made a perfect world, human beings who messed it up, Jesus Christ who came to save, the risen Jesus but people still ignore him, and then Jesus knocking at our heart's door wanting to come in and have a response from us Um, and so those drawings then became if you like a part of a of a new uh, tool they were systematized it's actually I think a YouTube video as well now Um, and that's really been easy to move something of the how do you do it into the congregation because I think many people they'd quite like to share the gospel but they don't really know how to do it And also, I think for many people, they say, well, you know, I've known my testimony and it's a bit about Jesus and the cross and the resurrection and um, sin and uh, heaven and and the world. But they don't know how to put it together into a narrative which is accessible and makes sense. So I hope that Crosscheck provides that, um, that tool which then people can use and we've used that then as the basis of a training program and also the basis of a of a course for non-christians.
0: Yeah, I mean it just took you about 30 seconds to 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 give us the gist of crosscheck and that's sometimes all as long as anyone has. So
1: indeed, indeed uh, and uh, you know talking to some somebody on a on a train or at an airport uh, uh you often don't have very long uh, but people need to uh, be able to know how they can tag in. So just to be able to give a, a, a web link, uh, to click onto a YouTube video at their leisure, gives them that opportunity. And it's also a great help, I think, for many of the Christians, which uh, I found uh, within the church environment and elsewhere, uh, if they may not feel particularly gifted in drawing drawings. By the way, my, my drawings and were not particularly artistic. I've had, had a great designer doing some stuff on the website Um, then at least it communicates the message and then people can have the conversation. And I think the other thing is that people, uh, Christians, uh, get frightened about evangelism because they say, well, if I'm asked a difficult question, I won't know what to say. And uh, so within the training course, uh, the Sharing Jesus training course, uh, we've tried to teach people how do you deal with some of these questions because there is no question which really is past answering. Uh, It's just a question of, uh, of... seeking to understand uh what the key priorities are that need to be communicated yeah so that was a cross check and then word at work um i'm not sure whether you want to go on to that at the moment or later on
0: well t- timing wise we i think we probably need to um you know we could we could usefully um investigate some of these things but i i, I just i suppose i'm i'm wanting to anticipate some of the the questions um uh that, that people may be listening and answering um you know, they're thinking. But I'm a pastor. I leave evangelism to evangelists. Um, this gospel-centered stuff is all very well, but this is not my job. Uh, how do you respond to that kind of kind of
1: thought? Well, I remember a conversation I had at a Christian conference quite some time ago. Um, There's a pastor of a, of a quite a small community that had been engulfed in tragedy, and I said to him, "How is the church responding to this gospel opportunity?" And his comment was the community has never been more hungry for God's truth in this matter, but the church can't do it. And I said, why not? And he said, well, I'm not an evangelist. We're hoping to to, um, uh, have an evangelist on the staff in, in a year's time. And something within me just shuddered. I thought, well, Surely every believer ought to be able to take an opportunity. However faltering and however gifted or ungifted we may be, surely we can just share the essential truths of the gospel. So, um, yeah, I think there are pastors who, who feel like that. And uh, what would I say? I would say it's not complicated. Um, the the gospel is very simple. Uh, pick up something like cross check. Learn it. Learn how to do it. Uh, If you don't have a tool to use in evangelism, it's the best tool that you've got. Or if you haven't got a tool at all, then it's the only tool that you've got. If as time goes on, you want to modify it, that's fine, as long as it's in line with the Scripture. Um, But I would say just change the focus, because if you're focused all the time on the people within the church, then you will never realise how many folks there are out there. Or you can be focused on the community, but you're building bridges, but you're not crossing it with the gospel. So you either become wrapped up in a cycle of pastor and church or pastor and community or church and community, but within those cycles, the gospel gets edged out. And actually the gospel is your real purpose for being there as church and your real purpose for being there in the community.
0: Well, sadly, time has is, is almost defeated us, Paul, but I just did want to give you a chance to, you've shared the Beacon Light website, but um, one of the ways in which you, you help and encourage folk, in, the, in the, certainly in the workplace, is through Word at Work. And I just wanted to give you a chance to share a little bit about the, how God has used Word at Work and how people listening can perhaps connect uh, further with that ministry.
1: Well, it's, it's extraordinary, really. I, I realised as a pastor of a, a suburban church that we had um, people who were going up to work in London. They were working very long hours, starting very early, going very, uh, coming back very late. And uh, they would often say to me, quite frankly, I just don't have time at home for a quiet time. So in, in those early days, I said, well, look, if I could write something on an email, would you read that at work? And they said yes. And uh, so what I used to do was uh, I said, well, let me just... Let me just do a trial. Uh, I'll take uh, four weeks, Monday to Friday, four weeks, that's 20 episodes. And I'll just take a few verses from Mark's Gospel and I'll by put a few little comments in and a prayer. How would that be? Well, at the end of uh, a month, I then sent a little questionnaire around. How did they find it? Now, I'd sent out 60 emails to 60 different people. When I got the questionnaire back, I had 120 Replies. I thought, well, how does this happen? Well, I had one of these, <laughs> these clever young bright assistants who uh, told me about the forward button and uh, all the things which, uh, which happen when people get excited about something. They pass it on to friends. Indeed, I had, a, I had a, um, uh, an email from a, a, uh, a person who's not a Christian out in Indonesia saying, I have read your word at work and I want to know how to, how to find Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And from that very simple beginning, uh, we then had a, a bit of a pause and then started up again a few years later. Um, we've now got 30,000 people all, all around the world. Uh, and what I found, uh, because we've done uh, readers' surveys, is that there are lots of people around the world who know and love the Lord Jesus, but they're separated from their fellowships. Many of them are working away from home. Those who are working close to home may not be able to access local churches. Many people who are in the workplace don't have the sort of Saturday and Sunday off that we do in the UK. And, uh, and there's one pastor in Cambodia uh, who gets this Monday to Friday because it is sequential. It's not cherry-picking verses. So we start at chapter 1, verse 1, and then work our way through a few verses at a time until we get to the last verse of the last chapter of each book. Uh, and So he picks it up Monday to Friday, and he preaches it on Sunday. Uh, and what, the other thing I've found is that there are many pastors out there who have had no proper theological education of any kind. They're doing, doing their best with the material that they have got. And so quite a lot of those access this as well.
0: Well, as I say, sadly time's defeated us. But uh, you can go to the uh, Beaconlight website. That's Beaconlight
1: That's beaconlight.co.uk. And there you can access CrossCheck and Word at Work from the same one. Right.
0: And you can also go to Premier's website and listen to archived versions of the Leadership File, including this one in due course. I look forward to your company again next Sunday at uh, 3.30.